Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 49, La Lechusa. I'm going to say right at the top here, my pronunciation was pretty good at the beginning. It dissolved into nonsense by the end, and I apologize because it was bad. Uh, I think it is sometimes lost on people that we are actually drinking while yes. we record these episodes oh and it just i just lose it and we also just like play off each other's energy and just get kind of silly as time goes on mm-hmm. uh or just get really wrapped up in the story and like pronunciation you know isn't our key it priority secondary yeah so like if if it if it hurts your heart that we mispronounce words from languages that you speak um i'm very sorry i also don't want to know about it on twitter yeah sorry sorry our bad sorry but you know who never complains about pronunciation on twitter who our wonderful patrons oh they sure don't and they're the absolute best we want Want to welcome our newest additions to our patron family, Jonathan, Jay, Kevin, Rachel, Katrina, Elliot, Adam, Neris, and Brian. Uh, you guys are wonderful. Thank you for joining the team. Uh, I hope a giant owl doesn't come and get you in the night. Or if it does, it's like avenging you yeah. and destroying your enemies. Yes, ideally. I also hope that mythical creatures destroy the enemies of our supporting producer-level patrons. That's a good segue. Thank you. Catherine, Charles, Deborah, Kimo, MCF, Sandra, Ryan, Phil, Robert, Zoe, Eeyore, Lindsay, Sarah, Julie, Dylan, Philip, Chandra, DDLG, Neil, and Christina, as well as our legend patrons, Leanne, Cassie, Cammie, Shannon, Erin, and Ashley will be mailing out their first box of physical stuff in like two days. Uh, you guys are birds of a feather, and we're glad you stick together with us. Julia! That was really cute. Didn't you come up with that on the fly? Yes, I did. Hey! hey double oh, bird pun! We're such oh. moms. You just look so disappointed in your eyes yeah, at me. A little bit. Well, uh, we are also brought to you this week by Storyblocks, which is the place you go for low-cost, really, really high-quality stock images, video, audio, all of it. You can go to storyblocks.com slash spirits for a free seven-day trial. That's storyblocks.com slash spirits. Uh, and Julia, this episode, you can tell that I was drinking gin because I was cursing a lot. You got real cussy. I did. Like, and, a, like a sailor on uh, the Gulf uh, of Mexico. On the open seas of the desert plains. That, nope. Okay. I was drinking mezcal because I'm always on brand. Yeah, and uh, it's something that I've really got gotten a taste for in, in recent months. Shout out to our second favorite bartender, Matt's colleague, uh, who really maybe it's beautiful, like hibiscus mezcal drink. Oh my God, it it's so gorgeous. Good. It's on our Instagram. So good. And we also want to share with you the very exciting news again that we are going to be at PodCon in Seattle, December 8th, 9th, and 10th, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And both of us are going to be on two panels, yeah. which is very exciting. Luckily, they didn't separate us for any panels. So it's just going to be Amanda and I rocking out in the panel world. We have one on Saturday, yes, uh, which is is a panel about going from fan to creator in audio drama communities. Yeah, and podcasting in general, what it's like to be a fan of stuff and then become a creator with fans yourself and that particular, you know, uh, beautiful thing and the challenges and and all of the above. It's going to be great. Amanda's moderating that panel, actually. I'm an excellent moderator, y'all. You are. You're fantastic. You ask all those hard-hitting questions. I'm not great at many things. Panel moderation, not one of them. (laughs) All right. That was a double negative, but I love it. Uh, And then on Sunday, we'll be doing our panel on monetization, community building, and much, much more. Social media, all of it, with a friend of the show and Join the Party Pod co-producer Eric Silver. It is going to be a good, good time. Yeah, it's going to be great. And you guys should definitely come hang out with us because PodCon is going to be lit. And we'll be having a meetup during uh, that weekend, the 9th or the 10th. We already have had a couple of suggestions on Twitter for places, one of which is actually haunted. Someone recommended a haunted bar in Seattle. 
Seattle. Bless you. I don't know who this person was. I forget their name right now, but God bless you for uh, suggesting that. We're so happy. And if you have additional suggestions near uh, the convention center uh, in Seattle of places to hold our meetup, preferably with ghosts, uh, we are down for it. We would love to see you all there and have a drink or two with you or more. And if you want to attend PodCon or to attend it virtually, you can virtually attend from your home that weekend and stream our panels and ask us questions. Um, You can do so at PodCon.com. Yeah, uh, and we'll be posting on Instagram and Twitter all weekend long. So you guys can stay in the loop even if you're not in physically Seattle. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, And I think that's all, Jules, right? Yeah, that's it. All right, y'all. Enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 49, La La Chusa. Imagine for a moment, Amanda, that it's late one night. You're driving along a highway in the desert, somewhere near the border of the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, There's a big full moon, but other than that, it's dark. There's no street lamps. There's nothing like that. On the horizon, the moon has turned everything into shades of gray. You think you're alone on the road when suddenly something spreads its wings, creating a shadow between you and the moon. It is large, dark, and menacing, and faster than the car you are driving. It begins circling your car, diving before swooping back up. And then, your car goes dead. It slows, and you stop in the middle of the road. The bird is gone, but you're alone, without a car, stuck in the middle of nowhere. Oh my god. And that, Amanda, is a common story when it comes to La Lechuza. Oh my God, I want to know so much more. Okay, good. We're going to get in there. (gasps) That's such an image. It's a good image, right? Uh, It's a great story. It gave me chills a little bit when I started reading kind of these retellings. Which is great because I had the gin sweats. So it's a nice, it's a nice little comparison. (laughs) I like that though. Oh God, it's it's so cool. So let's really get into it. But that's the imagery I want you to kind of keep in mind as we get into it. Uh, It is firmly in my mind. Don't you worry. (laughs) So La Lechuza is a spirit that has become a frightening folktale for Mexico and South Texas for a number of years. I think the earliest story that I could find dates back to 1953, wow. like of real retellings, but really the mythology of it dates back much further to about the times of colonialization. Okay. In some legends, La Lechuza are demons. Uh, in others, they are bruja or witches uh, that transform themselves into birds. And is that a tradition of Bruja, like, throughout time? Or is it specific, sort of like, you know, you know, like how we think about witches that transform in, into crows or cats yeah. or something? Is it a similar type thing? Yes, uh, it is actually, we'll talk a little bit towards the end about sort of the universality of this story. All right. Um, but in this particular instance, it is a type of bruja and we'll talk a little bit more about that because it, there's more of a specific version of it all right that let's do it. becomes la lechuza um so specifically they tend to turn into owls though some stories note that eagles are also connected to la lechuza uh, another school of thought are la lechuzas are not necessarily brujas but rather the spirits of women who died with grievances mm. such as a faithless husband or they were a widower who then remarries and the bruja is not about that or the la lechuza is not about it. Uh, I, you know that I love me some grudge 
keeping you tied to this earth type situation. I do too. Yeah. I love a good grudge. Love a good grudge. As we talked about in our seductress episode. Love a good grudge. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing gets me better than uh, I am so mad at you that I literally beat death to be here. (laughs) I'm all about it. I turned into a giant owl just to fuck with your shit. Yeah. There are worse ways to fuck with your shit. That is true. Um, So these birds can be huge. Depending on the story, they can be anywhere from the size of a small human to about seven feet tall with a wingspan of 15 feet. So a large human. Uh, well, yes, but also 15 <laughs> feet. If I stick my hands out, that's like maybe four. That's maybe Did four you feet. Know that your hand span, like the, or whatever, arm span, whatever you call that, wingspan, is roughly as long as you are tall. Okay, so this is about five feet if I spread my arms out. (laughs) Mine is about six. But 15 feet wingspan. That's very big. Just imagine how, that's as big as the room we're in, I think, probably, width-wise. Yeah. So big-ass owls is basically what I'm trying to say. Yep. Um, They usually have the appearance of large barn owls, which are my favorite type of owl. Mine too. If I went to Hogwarts, I would have a barn owl. Mine too. They're like big and kind of normal looking, but probably have more depth to them than you expect. They have pretty faces. They do have pretty faces. They're just moon faces. Yeah, Yeah. they're pretty. Um, But some stories say that it has, it's a large owl, but it has the face of an elderly woman. (gasps) I know your favorite thing. Amanda's favorite thing. I literally pick out stories just with animals with human features. Do you just features. Google uh, yes. disturbing animal mashups? Yes. And that's what this podcast is now? Basically. Thanks. You're welcome. So I'm going to give a little bit of background uh, as to what a bruja is. Okay. Um, because I feel as though it just needs to be specified given the connection to the story. All right. Um, so a bruja is specifically a female witch. A uh, brujo is the male version. Yep. Uh, so this clarifies that La Lucheza is always female if we're not going off of the fact that it is a feminine noun when yeah, we're talking about it. Sometimes that doesn't always mean the same thing. Right. But this specifically is a female spirit. It is yep. a woman. It is some of that sort. So brujas in mainstream culture uh, is very similar to what we see with traditional witches. So the evil mm-hmm. crone, the murderous seductress, that sort of thing yeah so like cauldron of stuff witchcraft hexes that kind of thing right usually affiliated with afflictions or misfortune that sort of thing yeah but honestly this association was perpetrated by catholic colonizers they were trying to demonize indigenous religious practices which were usually focused around female healers it sounds like uh the opposite of lol it's not pagan it's fine which is lol it's not catholic it's evil yes basically Basically, that's the thing. It's just some, like, white man nonsense is basically what it comes down to. (laughs) Come on. So, of course, modern interpretations read Brujeria through a feminist lens, which, yay, that's basically what this podcast is at this point. Shout out to all the Wiccans and witches and pagans who who listen to spirits. And Brujas. Y'all are awesome. And if there are any Brujas listening to us or Brujas, like, please get in touch. Right. And so these groups really embrace the sexuality, spirituality, and leadership of women that were intended to be wiped out by colonizers. Hell yeah. Bring it back. I Rescue know. it. Seriously. It's, it's real good. Put yourself back in the narrative. Yes. <laughs> the opposite of what... I guess she does at the end. Uh, Eliza? Yeah. yeah. Eliza. <laughs> I had yeah. to give you a look. I'm just like, it's not Angelica. I just can't remember the, the other name. one. Yeah. No, she does. And my favorite thing is the the name in Hamilton doesn't have to be about Alexander. Yes. It can be about Eliza, it who survived totally to tell can. the story. That is true. Bless. She's the best. Or the hottest Hamilton, Philip. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Line of the sand, people. Okay, La Lechuza. Uh, La Lechuza is said to appear outside houses during domestic quarrels, waiting for one of the people involved to wander out of the house. In most stories, it is the person who is the abuser or who instigated the fight uh, and then snatches them up and takes them back to its lair to devour. Oh my God, thank you. Yeah. Someone should. Oh, that is like so viscerally a thing that you would want to happen, right? For like you to be in a situation where you can't leave um, and then the person abusing the power in the situation is able to walk out and you just know that that that's not available to you and like how incredible would it be if if they never re-entered that door? Yeah, seriously. I just want to raise my glass of mezcal and say hell yeah. Hell yes. That. Another story about La Lechuza mentions that when you feel most secure in your house, La Lechuza will make crying sounds like a baby in need trying to lure you out of the house. <gasps> oh boy. Wait. Uh, mm, huh. Because yeah. it seems like people only, like, it seems like only those with a kind of like instinct to protect the vulnerable mm-hmm. would go after that, right? Yeah. So uh, are they not always, like, fighting for justice? No, not always. So they're sometimes just, like, there to lure you. They're chaotic neutral. Mm. Let's go with that. The La Lucesa is very chaotic neutral. Makes sense. It's also been known to make a whistling sound, like human whistling. Huh. Uh, and if you answer back with your own whistle, La Lechuza will use it to locate you and then swoop down and carry you away. <gasps> oh my god, guys, never whistle to an unknown whistler. Yeah, don't do it. Never. That's just, it's bad. It's like taking catcalling to an extreme practice safe whistling only whistle at people that you trust and know <laughs> okay that's good <laughs> that sounds good um if you wake up in the morning and see scratches at your door or windowsills it means la lechuza was there and was <gasps> trying to get in to get you or your cat you know marked your house and another Shh. cat came by <laughs> no. no they choose i mean that is scary though like I mean, yeah. like viscerally scary yeah those like you know claw marks at the lock like no that's no, not thank good you. that's no, a bad you. image all every basically everything is creepy about la they choose except for that domestic violence thing uh i'd like that as a you know uh, um, an application of creepiness for a good goal um, but Fair this enough. in general reminds me of kind of Irish um, fae and an Irish fairy lore yeah. which is that like fairies are just kind of always coming to fuck with you unless you're able to like enter into an agreement with them and sometimes fairies will will do things that are good but it's almost like an accident or or just like a, a happy circumstance or someone who has like appeased them well throughout their lifetime so leaving like bread and milk for the fairies like that's just something that you do um you know don't go out at night don't look out the windows at night like fairy are just always out there um you know to to play with humans is it because we're trying to appease them because we're technically on their land yes that, yes, that's, that's it. That's a good theme to think about this episode in. Oh, okay. La Lechuza can be warded off if you're not into the whole demon witcher spirit thing. Okay. You know, some people aren't. That's okay. I would you're personally wrong. love a La Lechuza just hanging around. Whatever. Um, prayer is the obvious one because that's the sort of thing you do and it works against evil spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, tying seven knots in a string or rope and then spreading it across your doorway will help uh, stop her from entering your home. Hmm. You could hire a curandera, which is a medicine woman, healer, or someone who uses folk remedies. Um, they may recommend carrying around a combination of salt and chili powder, which can be used to throw in the face of La Lucheza and then repel it. Uh, that sounds awesome and would hurt if you get it in your eyes. It's like it's like powdered pepper spray. 
Uh, I, th- yes, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. And isn't that so much more effective than garlic and vampires? Yeah. Like that, I just never got because like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to like bite this and have healing properties and like cure my, my yeast infection. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was gross. Thank you for that. But Listen, I guess garlic, y'all. I guess chili powder in a way, I mean, it's native to the area. Yeah. Whereas garlic was native to uh, Europe at the time. I suppose I'm just saying that like just like pick the most offensive someone, thing. But like if someone throws a bulb of garlic in your face is what I'm saying. Like you're gonna say, "Ow, fuck you." But if someone, I'm drinking gin. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm cursing a lot. I no. love it. But if someone throws salt and chili pepper in your eyes, like that is gonna hurt no matter what. I'm yeah, just saying, true. like it it feels just viscerally more damaging than garlic ever did to me. To be fair, though. Europeans are not good at spicing things, so I feel as though garlic <laughs> is the most offensive spice that one could throw at an evil demon. No. Whereas chili powder is more offensive and more, like, damaging. Yeah. I mean, they could have used salt with vampires. It seems like if you just, like, dry all the water out of them, they're going to be dead. Well, the Europeans would use salt for demons. Warding off demons, you could just put salt across your door and that would stop a demon from coming in. Point being, this uh, this chili pepper salt combo, excellent. A+. It is a solid choice. Also, sprinkle that over any roasted vegetable and you're going to elevate your game. Or just on a chicken would be really good. On chicken, on mm-hmm. corn. Ugh. Some oh, nice wait, steak. can you get Mexican corn after this? Yeah, we can. <gasps> I'm so hungry now. Yum. <laughs> okay. Um, and Amanda, if none of these other things work, you could always blast the bird with a shotgun or a rifle. I mean, always a good last... Uh, last ditch effort type thing. I mean, yeah. So what happens when you shoot La Lucheza is that no one can find the dead bird. Oh. But the next morning, someone will discover the body of an elderly woman hanging across a tree branch. <gasps> you know, the typical thing that happens. I like that, though. Like, the, the conservation of matter when it comes to killing demons really interests me. Um, like, I, I love books of magic where magic is, like, very elemental and physical and chemical and Mm. requires actually like sacrificing stuff giving stuff the dresden files which is a semi-problematic series of like crime detective novels is really good at at just emphasizing how much like the transference of energy has to do with magic um jonathan strange and mr norell the novel is also good at that Uh, but anyway i i love that there has to be a body or that the fact of transformation has to be dealt with when you're talking about the death of the thing. Right. And they handle that a lot with werewolf stories too. They do. Where if you shoot a werewolf, you'll just find the body of the person who was the werewolf. Like we talked about last time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So kind of a side note, but I, I love when evil spirits can be dealt with so easily. Shoot it like you would a a rabid dog. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this creates a really fascinating concept of adaptability in mythology. Um, what happens when a creature is no longer a threat due to the adaptation of new technology? Mm. So one of the one of the books that we read in high school um, about uh, colonialization and all of that was uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. We sure did. By you Jared remember Diamond. that? Okay. Yep. It's interesting when you add guns to a story that predates guns because suddenly a creature that is monstrous but not immortal becomes not as big a threat. Right, because your capabilities expand, and I guess instead of just the myth expanding infinitely, to have the same like ratio of, of scariness to people, in some cases, the, the tech outweighs the, uh, the, the threat. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting to me. I just think that 
it's one of those instances where mythology can't quite adapt with technology as it as we move to the future yeah and like an, an embodied thing you can deal with we talked about this in our episode on cults where like the ability that we have to talk to each other and to relate to our outside world like directly impacts the mythology that we choose to to propagate and mm-hmm. to keep alive. Um, and so I, I love that this myth didn't just fall out of existence or grow into a kind of really diffuse and vague thing like Faelor does in yeah. Ireland. Uh, but this specifically is, you know, is reacting to the situation around it. And in this case, rarely, you know, humans come out on top. Yeah. And it's really interesting because it creates this shift in the power dynamic. Yeah. Um, which you don't often see in mythology. You honestly don't. Yeah. You, you deal a lot with supernatural beings who, regardless of our technological advances, remain a higher power. Yep. And it's it's really interesting. So when I was telling you this story earlier, we kind of talked a little bit about La Lucheza is able to drain the car of energy. That's so amazing. And that definitively is a part of the story that adapts old legend and creates it to work in a legend that is now technologically advanced. I love that so much. And it's one of the reasons that we both love American gods so much. Yes. Is because it is it is 100% about putting ancient things in a contemporary context in a way that isn't like kitschy, you know, or yeah. or just there for kicks. Like it's it's really genuine you know, it, it's genuine in asking what would these gods be doing now, which would be empowered, which would be disempowered. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I really love that this myth spans such an interesting time period where it was like something, and like we see this over and over again, where it's something that makes sense and is established and is complex that is then either erased, appropriated, or simplified by colonizers and normally then either like fizzles out or lives on in a kind of like, you know, fusion form. Yeah. Uh, but in, in this case, I don't know, it's just, it's cool to like, to see stuff be firmly in a time period and to like firmly take a stand when it comes to change. Yeah, I super like it. I'm glad I'm glad we went on this tangent a little bit because honestly, it's it's one of the coolest aspects of this myth, in my opinion. It reminds me of librarians becoming fucking badass information technologists because yeah. like that, like librarians are in the information business and information includes computers right now. Yeah. And so many libraries are doing so many cool things when it comes to like software, engineering, you know, metadata, like information architecture, kind Coding. of all this amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Go librarians. Go librarians. This is a pro librarians podcast. <laughs> we are definitely pro librarian. Thank you for all your heart service. Thank you so much. Spirits is brought to you this week by Storyblocks, which is the best place to go for stock footage, images, audio, motion graphics, all of it. Storyblocks costs just $149 a year and gives you access to over 400,000 professional studio quality images, audio, video, you name it. Normally you would pay like one or five or 10 or $20 per thing. But with Storyblocks, you have unlimited access to every single thing that you might need. Um, Now I have been making videos and podcasts for well over a decade at this point, which is scary. Um, And I can tell you that if I had access to professional studio quality stock images and video, my stuff would be so much better. My life would have been so much better uh, early on before I had to, you know, record all my sound effects and shoot all my B-roll myself. Um, and you can see exactly what Storyblocks has to offer during a seven-day free trial at storyblocks.com spirits. 
no credit card. You don't need to do anything. You need to sign up or pay any money. You can just go and enjoy, download images, download video, download motion graphics, anything that you might need for your project. And if you find a particularly cool video or image, please tweet it to us. We would love to see it. Shoot it to at Spirits Podcast, and we will be bestowing praise in the next episode upon the listener who can find the coolest, most specific image or video to share. No matter who you are, if you make stuff on the internet, whether it's websites or videos, podcasts, animation, whatever it is, you know how important it is to work with professionals. And Storyblocks is your answer for all of the stuff that you could possibly need to download to make your projects even better. So head on over to storyblocks.com spirits to show your support for the show and sign up for a seven day free trial. Thank you so much to Storyblocks for your continued support of the show. Now let's get back to it. So a little bit more on La Lucheza. If we must stop talking about librarians, we can do this. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to. Um, so La Lucheza is known to be associated with spellcasting, since it has the association mm-hmm. with brujas. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, her ability is to summon storms. Hmm. Oftentimes, La Lucheza is seen in thunderstorms, which is really a terrifying image. Imagine a giant bird no, swooping in you. and out of thunder. Nope. And lightning. Don't it's want gorgeous. that. gorgeous. I love Don't it. Don't want that. <laughs> Um, because of their half human, half bird nature, they're similar to quite a few myths from around the world. Okay. Um, for example, the harpies, uh, which are vengeful bird women from Greek mythology. Hell yeah. La Lucheza is said to cry outside of the homes of people and is an omen for that someone in the household will die. Like the banshee. Exactly like the banshee. Nice. Um, interestingly, the Romans believe something similar, that the hoot of an owl will indicate the imminent death of those who hear it, uh, and that the hoot of an owl predicted many famous deaths, including Julius Caesar and Augustus. Uh, two things here. One, is that tied to owls being associated with Minerva, goddess of knowledge? I don't think so. Not necessarily in Because this it case. is like foreknowledge of a death. Right. Absolutely. But I don't think... I, I, I don't believe that Minerva had um, divination skills. Like that yeah. wasn't what was associated with her. Yeah. Knowledge was one thing, but divine knowledge and seeing the future was not. Gotcha. Interesting. Uh, okay. And number two, we are big fans of the podcast, Ona, Ross, and Carrie. So good. Where two buds. I knew you were going to bring this up, but I'm so excited. Where two buds uh, explore fringe uh, science and paranormal science the paranormal um and then report back and what i love is that they really approach everything with a kind of open heart open mind like this could be totally true whether it's like scientology mormonism like fringe science stuff anti-vaxxers or this summer they are doing a summer of ufos it's so good and man oh man they went to a bunch of ufo conferences one of them they describe a lecture on owls that Honestly, I have re-listened to about three times. It's like the so description good. is so good and funny and lovely and pure. So Odo, Ross, and Carrie, check it out. Really, really an excellent show. Just so oh, good. We want to be friends with them. Guys, we you're do. welcome on the show anytime. Further up north in the United States, similar shaped sightings like the Mothman have been seen in northeastern U.S., Okay. Um, honestly, the concept of flying humanoids, whether they're human, part human, monstrous humanoids, what have you, um, has been around over 17,000 years. So we can carbon date images of bird-like humans in cave paintings in Lascaux, France, which are known as the bird of Lascaux that date back 17,000 years. What? Isn't that cool? Julia, nothing gets me more than cave paintings. Damn. I'm going to link to them in the show notes, but it's going to be really good. 
uh, nothing gets me more than thinking about like ancient humans having spiritual and documentary experiences in caves. Like it, 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 it freaking messes with, with my stuff. But uh, I mean, everything from angels to jinn in Islam to, you know, witches, which are, are said to fly. The like, story of Icarus. Absolutely. Just the idea, I don't know, something about humans being able to escape the bound of gravity is, is, I don't know. Like it, it must be divine. It's right? a, it's a very human thing. We've yeah. always wanted, we've seen birds fly and we're just like, Hey, I want to do that. Yeah. I wonder if like the cult of, uh, of like venerating pilots, you know what I mean? Like, like the kind of, uh, like handsome, See, everyone wants boy. to sleep with a pilot thing. I know exactly. what you're talking about. Like catch me if you can style pilot sure. veneration. I wonder if that has to do a little bit with just wanting to, to be in charge of a machine that flies. So you want some more owl stories? Yes, Julia. I want nothing more than some owl stories. <laughs> so the Hopi believed that the burrowing owl was the embodiment of their god of dead. Makes total sense. Digging yeah. in the ground, yo. Uh, the Inuit tell stories of how a beautiful young woman was magically transformed into an owl with a long beak. Uh, okay. When she saw herself uh, in a mirror or in the water or whatever, I'm not sure exactly which, probably yep. not mirrors, um, she flew into, she was so startled by her appearance that she flew into a wall in her house, which is why owls have flat faces and short peaks. Oh, babe. It's kind of cute. I like owls. They're just cute faces. They do have cute faces. Very efficient faces. They don't stick out too much. Um, certain cultures believe that owls would bring illness or ill fortune to children. In hmm. Malaysia, it was believed that owls ate newborn babies. You know, there's just a lot of baby eating happening in, in Southeast Asia and yeah, the Pacific. a little bit. Uh, the Swahili believed that owls brought sickness to children. And across the Middle East, there were tales of how owls were evil spirits that would carry away children in the night. You know, lots of myths about carrying away children in the night and eating babies. Because yeah. unfortunately, that shit happened. Yeah. Want a good whales one? I have a good whales one. Oh, um, I thought you meant I thought you meant whales. No. The animals eating children. And I was like, whoa. No. Like, what situation is happening I mean, that your whales, child and a whale are, are, in with, are within like mouth reach of each other? I mean like whales and like the Welsh people. Let's do it. Okay. Um. So it was believed that if an owl is heard among houses, that means an unmarried woman had lost her virginity. Oh my God. Um. But if a pregnant woman hears an owl in Wales, uh, her child will be blessed. Wow. So if you get pregnant from an out-of-wedlock encounter, you got that bad karma, got that good karma, and pretty much you're okay. It's a solid mix. Wow. So, Amanda, what do we think of La Lechuza? I think that's a pretty badass myth. I really love the uh, the kind of carry forward from something that, you know, predates colonialism, which fortunately or not is a kind of like, um, you know, point before which and after which we have to date stuff yeah. you know like it's it's kind of like a, a watershed in a lot of ways for mythology yeah. um and i i love that it survived in its own really distinct way um and i especially i like that you started this episode with a really contemporary image um in fact our our mutual friend roy graham who i met in at nyu is a fabulous talented writer and um read a, a manuscript of his of a sort of like apocalyptic type demon hunting novel oh it's so good but he had this image of kind of driving down a highway toward almost certain death and just having that journey interrupted by some like primordial creature like rising from the darkness in like a grayscale moonscape oh i love it so much i'm so glad you like this story yes i'm really interested in looking at this story through the lens of colonialism because like you said 
it is such a watershed moment in the history of this region. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm very interested in the adaptability of the myth. Sure. Because like we talked about earlier, earlier when we were talking about the guns and then the electricity, you're taking a myth where it's about magic and it's about spell casting. It's about thunderstorms and transforming into birds and stuff like that. And then you have to put that into a story that can adapt through time where suddenly we're driving down you know, highways and cars. So what does thunderstorms turn into? Thunderstorms turn into the ability to drain power out of cars, Mm -hmm. much like we see in a lot of alien mythology and stuff like that. And I just, I think it's kind of amazing and kind of beautiful and rugged and just like survivalist storytelling where your story can live for centuries and still be terrifying people to this day. It, it can still scare people from anywhere from Tijuana to San Antonio. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's just, it's this gorgeous concept that mythology is still important. Mythology cre- uh, becomes folklore, becomes urban legends, becomes something that we still tell our kids, like, don't go out too late or else La Luceza is going to come get you. Yeah. And I just, I love that. This, that's the epitome of why I love mythology. Absolutely. And, and I really love how the particular evolution of this myth, where La Lechuza was something that you had almost no control over. There were ways to ward it off. But at a certain point, like you heard the cry of the owl or you saw it and, and kind of that was that. Um, and like, imagine the experience of, of a person in a colonized region where, you know, folks sweep in with guns and with technology and with disease and with riches and and political power that you know was kind of unfathomable and probably mythical um and and you know guns were a big part of that like you like you said earlier uh, and and I love that like that mechanism that allowed for the domination of a region ends up being a populist tool against the like chaotic unknown of La, of La Lachusa You know, like the gun that was used to colonize ends up being a defense mechanism against the like wild unknown of the world. Yeah. And it's that gorgeous power shift like I was talking about earlier. Suddenly, you know, pre-colonialization, you have these demons and these humans and they just have to fight each other. And they're they're kind of vying for the top of the ladder. You know what I mean? And then everything gets fucked when these colonizers come in yes and And artificially shift a dynamic that was otherwise fought with salt and nuts and faith and prayer and it's it's this balance that suddenly there's an additional weight that's kind of in the middle and it's it's so interesting to me because not only do these people adapt but the myths adapt with them and i think that's that's the theme that I want to take away from colonialism is that adaptability of both human beings and of mythology. Yeah. Because if you are capable of adapting so that suddenly your bird demon is still a threat, even when these men come with guns and disease and all of that, that's, that's amazing. That's a human experience that, you know, we personally haven't had to go through, but that is an experience that is the definitive human historical experience. And it's kind of amazing and kind of painful to think about, but in a way it is awe-inspiring. 
not necessarily good awe, not necessarily bad awe, but awe-inspiring in a way. Awesome, awful. Mm-hmm. They they go hand in hand. Yeah. That really is such a baseline of the human experience, the idea of like you and your family and your tribe against the world or you against a peer or another creature, whether that's an, you know an, a predator coming to get you or just an unknown entity. And seeing that like instinctual dynamic mapped out against, you know, modern day technology yeah. and mapped against the like unfathomable chaos and pain of uh, a violent takeover by a, a country you've never even heard of. You know, it's, it really is a like a, amazing testament to how human brains adapt and try to make sense of the world and just survive too and just survive like you know stories are how we survive they're how we make sense of the world they're how we make sense of ourselves and each other and our legacy and death and the unknown you know like that's this kind of stuff happens and comes up in every single episode for a reason and it's because the human brain is better at narrativizing than anything else yeah and like even patterns are narrative like patterns are are a way that the brain, you know, puts several things in a space into some kind of relationship to each other. Yeah. And it just, it amazes me. Like the more I think about stories and I play out stories and I, you know, write them and read them and edit them, like it, it is just remarkable to me that our, I don't know, that that's just like an, an instinct and a skill mm-hmm. and a pleasure and a pastime yeah. and an evil too that human beings perpetrate and and just do like we breathe like it's it's so, it's so natural to us mm-hmm. and like we said in our episode on the llama it's dangerous to make yourself the protagonist all the time you yes. know like it's i think it's, it's just uh helpful to keep in mind the fact that your brain wants to make stories and patterns out of everything mm-hmm. and just to recognize when that is happening yeah and that's why I think I like the instance of La Luchesa going after um abusers so much yeah because one of the like worst ways that domestic violence is is instantiated is um just a a narrative of inescapability that you know is reinforced by abuse of all kinds and circumstance often like there's just no way to like leave when you know in in so many situations um so it you know it, it can be really empowering to realize that your narrative doesn't have to be what you think it is right and you Um, don't have to rely on la lucheza to come and swoop in and take your uh, abuser away there's a reason why that's a story because that is so like that is so desperately i'm sure hoped for if you're in that situation um but we also just wanted to mention that if that brought up anything for anybody or if you feel like you're in a situation where you wish la lucheza could come and take something someone out of your life, um, there are resources for you. So in the U.S., you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-SAFE or 800-799-7233. Yeah. And you can also go to safehorizon.org, which has resources for the U.S. as well as other countries. Yeah, so I think that about wraps it up for La Luchesa. I think that honestly... This is a great myth about just the durability and survival of humankind, uh, just as individuals, but also in their own cultures. And I think that there's a lot to learn from La Luceza and just the story uh, that keeps on going. Absolutely. So with that, listeners, remember, uh, stay safe, put seven knots above your doorway, 
carry some salt and cayenne. I mean, that that can never that can never hurt uh, unless you throw it in the eyes of an attacker. It's a throw with caution. I mean, that's what you're supposed to be doing, though. <laughs> anyway, remember to stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.